You like D&D, Audrey Hepburn, Fangoria, Harry Houdini, and Croquet. You can't swim, you can't dance, and you don't know karate. Face it, you're never gonna make it. I don't wanna make it. I just wanna. Hey, King. Word up, beard. We're back. Heel Turn Radio live from our own pits. Um, Laundry never sleeps. You know it, dude. Uh, I wanted to, last week we talked about things that could kind of get us back in, in kind of the wrestling swing of things or kind of light our wrestling fires. Uh, this week I wanted to kind of pose a question to you that I've been thinking about a lot. I was going to mention it last week, and uh, and then we we hit that sweet sweet uh, five count because three ain't enough. We need five. Um, I brought up the fact that people like Mike Quackenbush, you know, great minds uh, in wrestling. Mark Haggerty sharing, you know, kind of online seminars. I reached out to a couple of folks, um, and I, uh, you know, kind of asked, hey, who you know who else is putting out content like this? And they were like, you know. I don't know. There, there aren't really a lot of people that are putting it out at that kind of affordable rate or at that quality or in the quantity, uh, you know, that Quack's been able to do. And, you know, obviously there's, there's other things at play, right? There's promotions and, and, and venues and um, wrestling schools that, you know, aren't able to have patrons at this point. And so. Um, well, another thing I want to point out too is there's also places that are making really bad decisions. Yeah. Um, I do want to take a short moment to point that out. If you're running a show right now or planning on running a show here soon, that's maybe don't. Maybe don't. That you, you apparently have no moral quandary about the potential of people dying. You know, I just think that's pretty horrific. So um, there's other ways to make your dollar. Yeah. And for you to put that dollar above someone's health, you have made sure that I will never speak highly of you, which I'm sure you don't care about because obviously you don't care about people's health. Or we don't care about their opinion. Chances are we disagree completely ideology and ideology altogether. Um, But just know you're the worst carny individuals. You give wrestling a bad name and honestly, you give humanity a bad name. So just don't. Yeah. Just don't. All right. That's all I got to say about that. All right. Back to the positive. Uh, I want to know that maybe we'll do this another, we'll do another five count. Um, and I, I'll, I'll start us off because I think he's already doing it and I think he's already kind of finding a way to do it, but I'd like to know five kind of five wrestlers that you would like to go the path of Mark Haggerty Mike Quackenbush and others that are offering content online talking about an approach to wrestling or, you know, how you could better yourself as a professional wrestler, promoter, announcer, uh, commentator, anything. 
So, so I'm going to throw that open and I'll, I'll kick it off to give you a minute to think about it. Um, one of the things I've absolutely loved and some of the best money I feel like I can contribute to anybody right now is uh, subscribing to Darren Corbin's Patreon. Um, it is phenomenal content. It's regular content. It is, um, it is made with um, a lot of fun and love and humor um, from the kind of Snapchats, but also he started a series uh, talking about Chikara and um, I think stemming from uh, a couple questions in the monthly Q&A that patrons can submit to, he has jumped into talking about his Chikara experiences. And he's done a couple of the videos now and they're absolutely fantastic. And, and I think that whether it's a, a Patreon or whether it's, you know, buying a, you know, a $10 uh, online seminar, 20, you know, whatever you charge. I mean, and, and believe me, um, you know, these, that the, the two parts that Mark, Mark Haggerty has put out um, have been absolutely phenomenal. Um, his, his content is top notch. I think he's so smart about how he promotes himself, how he promotes the organizations that he has been a part of. I think he does it with integrity and I think he does it with, with humor as well. Um, and he's just a generally a, a wonderful guy to work with. Um, and so, yeah, so I was wondering my, my number one, you know, uh, first of all, go patronize Mike Quackenbush, patronize Mark Haggerty, check him out. If you need links, we post them all the time. Um, last week, Quack did a live Q and A for with his till we make it. Um, those are great. He's got a new uh, ebook out on the Amazon uh, marketplace. Go check that out. Um, but who are who are five um, personalities within the wrestling world that you would like to take a seminar from, or you feel like would would greatly benefit doing a seminar for uh, for wrestlers, commentators, ring announcers, promotions, promoters, et cetera, et cetera. Ultramantis Black. Tell me more. How to get a character that ostensibly is an evil insect overlord over to the point that he wins the title, um, gets hurt, comes back, but also just interweaving all these amazing stories in between. Um, from being a face to being a heel to being the heel to being a heel who's overrun by another heel faction. I mean, it's just, um, and also just having a having that character, you know, being on commentary, being so quick and witty, also voice acting wise. <laughs> um, I just think he's a very fascinating guy. I think that, you know, being a character, defining a character, becoming a character, evolving a character, I would love to hear his perspective on it. Yeah. Um, so I'll share, I, there's a couple, I, I do this selfishly because there's a couple um, people on Patreon that I haven't had a chance to become patrons for, um, but that I think put out really quality content in general, both for free and and paid um, and it's a different perspective because it also focuses on um, on making uh, within the wrestling industry, um, which is uh, Kate Nix and Ophidian. 
they have a Patreon called Closet Perfect. Champion that's really yeah. phenomenal. Um, and I think that there are, you know, content creators that are making things both within the wrestling world and you know, tangential and um, kind of overlapping the wrestling world. And I think that those two together uh, are such an interesting um, pair to, to kind of follow, to patronize and, and to kind of learn from. Uh, I think that, I think that you could, you know, learn so many different things about that. And, and I, you know, love Ophidian as a wrestler and I always have, I think Kate Nix is an amazing creator and um, just kind of creative energy in general. And so I'm really interested in, in that, you know, kind of thinking about investing my, you know, my, my, stimulus dollars you know i maybe maybe a couple dollars a month i'd love to i'd love to kind of really dig into their back catalog they have like over 300 posts um available on on patreon and and really um uh great content also another very um regular and pro prolific um poster of both um kind of all sorts of media on on uh, on twitter etc cetera, etc cetera. so um, um I would even say Ophidian falls in that same category as Ultramarcus Black. I would, um, again, he has done everything in that role. He's changed mask, he, masks. He has been in Lucha de Apuestas. He has, come to think of it, is he possibly the most diverse character that's still in Chikara as far as history? Um, probably. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I, you could say that. I, I think that you can make a case for Dasher, even though he's very similar for a very long time. I think that there's, um, a long arc there, um, from, uh, kind of Dasher pre Dasher to, um, being this, this kind of staple into, um, into, you know, losing the mask and everything else. I mean, obviously his, his kind of big turn and, and big change has happened more recently and, and kind of less frequently, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's certainly at the very top and. Um, and I think they've both hit similar vibe. And maybe this is why Chikara is. Um, Rudo's connect a little bit more especially those two is they feel like justified like they're 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 the dr dooms you know as far as their their villains magneto is the same way um luthor they're villains who feel like they're the hero of their own story yeah um dasher feels like he is your champion he oh, picked he that belt up when no one else would, and he defended it because that was the right thing to do. And then when Angelo said he came back, he felt like he wasn't ready, and he just stayed true to a certain vision. And on top of that, when he was the face chasing, he got screwed so many times by Juan Francisco de Coronado that it just – you know, something had to give. And for Ophidian, once he came back to the, the, the house, 
And then like the flood happened and, you know, everything kind of went sideways. And uh, not the flood, um, it would have, yeah, it would have been the flood because he infiltrated during the flood. Um, and, you know, he, he had to get rid of some of the Technicos. You know, he killed people. Um, and on top of that, he stood against the Hextmen. You know, he, he, what he was doing and what he is doing is he's, or what he thinks he's doing is creating a bulwark against the next invader. I think the interesting thing that he doesn't see is he is that invader. Um, and it's just such a fascinating story to tell. Yeah. Uh, also that usurping of your mentor, you know, when I left, I was but the student. Now I am the master. You know, it's, it, it, and the differences in philosophy. Uh, I mean, to me, that harkens back even to um, Hero, when Hero was in Chikara and, his style of teaching at the Russell factory as opposed to Quackenbush's and how that was kind of a, a battle of ideology. Um, and I just really, man, those guys, I, I think telling a story like that, and again, it's probably no shock that we look at Chikara and that's why, where we want to hear tales from storytellers, because I think, you know, that promotion is top down about telling stories. Yeah. <laughs> Um, also, making masks is pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, should we count that? Should we just count that as our number two, our joint number two? I feel like that was a good, it was a good number two. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take a good number two. Good and go. One of the people that I would love to hear from, and, you know, you actually just mentioned him, is uh is chris hero chris hero i'm no i can never tell what my feeling is on chris hero yeah um i think that i think chris hero is a for me personally a once in a lifetime physical talent i think that he is one of the most gifted in-ring performers that I've ever seen because he can do everything at skinny Chris hero or at big Chris hero. Um, He knows how to tell every story. He knows how to really connect with fans. Um, But also like the cloud of him leaving Chikara and you know, some of that really kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I don't know anything about it, but it just feels um so that's also 15 years ago now right yeah something like that you know i i'm just i'm curious because he's been you know kind of all over the spectrum in terms of body type and match type and kind of all over the world i mean i would i mean i would love to have a kings of wrestling podcast or something you know to that effect just talking about, you know, how you find success, how you train. I mean, that's one of the things that I, you know, you don't hear a ton about, um, maybe on some podcasts, but the process of 
talking about training wrestlers and philosophies on training wrestlers is something that's always been really fascinating to me. And that's one of the things that like popped into my head when you talked about kind of training philosophies. I I think that that would be really, really fascinating to have um, a series of seminars from people um, talking about their training philosophies, because I think that, you know, we've talked with a couple of people that have drawn from different booking philosophies, which I also think would be terribly fascinating as a, as a, you know, a mode of content, but you know, I, I'd Jay easily, Riley, pay, when it comes to that, you know, yeah, I mean, but I'd easily pay $20, you know, if, if Chris hero or someone else was going to kind of put together, you know, a two and a half hour seminar on kind of a training philosophy, like thinking about how one trains and, what's what's important and and what should be foundational versus what should be finishing or what things you're always going to be working on or how you can continue to train those kind of things from wrestlers that both have trained or aspire to train and have also wrestled in so many different venues and drawn from so many different styles i think would be really interesting and i think that you know like you said you know kind of a once in a lifetime physical specimen i you know i'd be very curious just, you know, how he's carried that, um, through those different phases of his career. Um, and I, kind of seen. I, I think from him, what I'd be more interested in hearing about, how do you become a guy who on a roster that makes himself as viable as anyone who's holding a belt? Because I think something that he has done, and I think he did it really well when he came out of NXT the first time and went on to the Indies. I don't know if he held a belt that entire run. He wrestled for a lot of belts, but he spent that entire time, in all honesty, doing feuds where he ended up putting guys over and building them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet he felt like such a big deal that every time he was in one of those matches, there was a legitimate feeling like he could win because he felt like a legitimate contender. Um, whether it was in Ring of Honor, PWG, Evolve, um, Rev Pro, any of those places he went to, and he ran that gambit for that whole time, he played basically the same role as like the bully heel and he does it so well because he had gotten bigger um Mm -hmm. but yet he could still wrestle in that style um with the explosiveness and the innovation um to me he is a more well-rounded better talker version of chris canyon because chris canyon I think can wrestle anybody in any way, shape or form and give you a hell of a match and give you something almost every match you've never seen before. And I do feel like Chris hero is similar, except for he's a better storyteller rather than a move guy. And I think he's a much better talker. Yeah. Uh, But I I mean, that's a high, for me, that's a high compliment because I think a lot of Canyon who better. Um, I'd be more interested in hearing like his philosophy, especially like going back to NXT and just putting guys over. Um, yeah. You know, kind of being the gatekeeper there. Yeah. Um, but he did the same thing on the Indies to a degree. 
And that's got to be like the ultimate sense of being humble and teaching, like having an investment in the future of your business. Yeah. So while I know I kind of have that thing where I still feel kind of icky about the Chikara thing, I can't state enough how impressive he is and how I wouldn't turn down the opportunity to, to learn about either one. All right. Number three for you then, sir. Eddie Kingston. How to take emotion, raw emotion and personality and make it into your, into your character. How to turn everything up to 11 to the point where it's hard to differentiate when you're off and when you're on. Um, how to, and this is going to sound so dumb this way, how to keep it real. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I think Eddie Kingston, again, is one of the best promos I've ever seen. Um, I think that he is able to take raw emotion and turn it into something where it, to that level of like Dusty Rhodes, he does it without a rap. Dusty Rhodes always feels to me like he had, like, he was channeling Thunderbolt Patterson and some other guys and, you know, but he could weave such a good story and he could definitely connect with an audience. He Kingston does that by never deviating from who he is. He just cranks it up. Yeah. And he can do everything. I mean, he can, he can do commentary. He can wrestle any style you want to wrestle. Um, he can be your your baby face, or he can be your heel. Um, he can be, as he said before, I'm the guy you bring in to pop your territory. Yeah. Um, he, he when he talks about being the last of a dying breed, I think he is. No doubt. Um, number four, number four. I I've rolled this idea around a lot in my head because I'm. You know, I've been trying to think of who I would like to learn from the most, not just who I, whose style I like the most. And I'll tell you who it's, it's down to. It's down to three people. I would love a seminar on commentary. Obviously, we've done commentary. I think that we're, we're decent at commentary. I think that we provide, uh, you know, something additional to the product, um, which is, you know, what I can say is like we, we contribute. Um, we're decent when we're invested. Okay. I think we can both agree when we're not invested in a, in a person or in a particular match. Um, it's real hard to separate your feelings for a company, a person, a match, whatever it is, and pour the same amount of enthusiasm into it as you do for, um, something you are extremely invested in and i wish i was better at that but i would say that that's maybe two to three percent of all the matches we've called for me though those two to three percent really bother me well i mean and that's why i would i would like to hear from from these three people okay fire away uh top three people i would like and for very different reasons um and with different very different backgrounds. One we talked about um, as recently as last week, Nigel McGuinness. I think he's made a tremendous transition into being one of my favorite commentators. He commentates for fudging everything, 205 Live, NXT, NXT UK. 
Um, and I think he does a really tremendous job. I, I love his insight. I love when he was on ROH um, after he had stopped wrestling. And even while he was kind of taking time away, I, I think he's you know grown a ton. And I would love to hear about that. Um, my second would be uh, Excalibur. Excalibur, um, uh, probably one of our most borrowed from in terms of catchphrases, but certainly one of our one of our favorites from the PWG days and, and now with AEW, I think he brings something really unique to the booth. And, and I've just, I've gone back to a lot of those PWG events that you've um, shared with me and just listened for his commentary, because I think it's so, it's so good. And regardless of who he's in the booth with, he has such a, he has such a, penchant for uh for finding chemistry quick um which is always really really impressive um i would you know i would echo you know i think that there's other things that that we could learn from one bryce remsburg so i didn't add him to the list but he's my kind of honorable mention because he's also very good at kind of picking up that quick chemistry in addition to you know everything else they does the last would be and i i don't know that everybody agrees with me but i've always found him to be enjoyable, knowledgeable, and a really steady hand in the same way that I think that, um, you know, some other commentators that have stood the test of time are, and that's Kevin Kelly. Um, I, I enjoyed him back in the day in WWF, uh, hermaphroditic, hermaphroditic, uh, humor aside. Thanks Vince. Um, wasn't, wasn't he, uh, the host of bite this? Oh, he was. I mean, so, and full disclosure, uh, we, we appeared regularly in college on bite this. Um, but, uh, but, you know, transitioning, leaving, leaving WWE, you know, uh, picking up with, with ring of honor and being the voice of ring of honor for years before, you know, before jumping ship over to new Japan and really becoming a huge part of that organization. Um, I've always really appreciated how knowledgeable he, he, he feels when he's doing commentary. He always, sounds like he is just entirely invested in and knowledgeable about the product, um, which is, I think, why it was really harmful to have someone who usually is the bedrock of that in JR coming into New Japan, where I didn't feel like he had the capacity to, you know, kind of add that entire roster and style and everything else um, into his commentary. It, it didn't feel as invested. I think because some of the people he was doing commentary with um, uh, for some of those new Japan shows, just uh, they just felt more knowledgeable. Well, um, I, okay. I don't want to defend JR, but I'm going to for a second for the new Japan stuff. Yeah. I think Jim Ross was coming out of a real rough time as far as his wife passing away and just kind of in a lot of ways, I think he had a WWE hangover the way all that ended. I think he still was pretty hurt over all that. Um, especially just hearing him talk about how, how he was done so dirty. Um, I think he jumped on the first horse he could, was, which was New Japan. And that's like jumping on a bunking Bronco if you don't know enough about it. And that's what really hurt him. And I don't think Josh Barnett did him any favors. Um, but he defended him. But I just think that Josh Barnett isn't the, isn't a great guy in an announce booth. 
Um, if you stuck him with with maybe Don Callis or somebody else, I'm not a huge Don Callis fan, but I feel like Don Callis at least knows how to tell a story. Yeah. Josh Barnett knows how to call moves, kind of. Um, so I, I don't think he – I think that was just like trying to stick a square you know, peg in a round hole. And I think he did okay. And I think the worse he did and the worse he was the, – the more poorly he was perceived by fans, the more he just has a tendency to lash out. Um, that's why I think he's a lot better fit in AEW because he seems to be far more relaxed. Uh, and I feel like when he's in there, one thing I like about him in AEW is he doesn't seem like he gives a shit. Um, it seems like the governor's off a little bit. Uh, and I don't mind that. And I, I don't mind. He's like your crazy uncle. Shivani's like your drunk older brother. And Excalibur is the guy you're there to actually watch. So to me, that's I think they they really hit a perfect kind of storm there, and then I think you add in guys like Taz, you know, who again I think can really bring a very interesting straight laced approach to announcing, and he's far less comedic than he was in WWE. He's far more driven by telling the story. Um, and I think they're starting to put together a really fascinating group of announcers um, and commentators. So, like I said, I don't completely exonerate JR from his New Japan situation, but I also think, like, that was just a really poor coupling. Man, y'all, y'all acting like I was indicting JR. I just said that I didn't think that the Japan stuff was that good. It's okay. Don't, don't worry. But, but don't worry, not, Ben. It's not Your even child, okay. childhood dream can still come true. <laughs> but it's not even okay. That's the thing. That's why I'm trying to. No, we're it, defending. It was terrible. More defending the person and their actual capabilities than I am defending. I don't them. have any problem with Jr. Personally, sounds like you have a problem with Jr. Um, what's that? It sounds like you have a problem with Jr. No, I just prefer other commentators at this point in Jr.'s career because I feel like I, I feel like wrestling has changed and evolved. And I think that JR is very well suited to professional wrestling commentary. Um, Edging more towards the side of professional wrestling entertainment, but that's kind of not where my head's at. So, you know, when I'm thinking about seminars, when I'm thinking about what I'd like to learn, I think that'd be very fascinating, but JR has a podcast. JR has a lot of media out there. I can, I can absorb a lot of JR, but I, I can't necessarily absorb these kind of distinct, unique viewpoints that have had a lot of different chapters, whereas JR has had these huge, you know, epics, you know, with different companies that last decades. And some of these guys have had, you know, maybe a decade in one place, but they have refashioned themselves, I think, in a way, and responded to the way that wrestling has evolved or kind of evolved themselves in order to accommodate uh, different different promotions for wrestling. Well, and I'm not saying I would want a seminar from Tony Schiavone or JR. I'm just pointing out, like I said, I my biggest point there was I don't think judging Jim Ross on his time in Japan is that great. I think it's a 
it's a it's a it's not indicative it's a poor slice to judge him from especially going back and if you watched like the stuff in WCW um, and when it was Crockett where he was exceptionally good it's the same thing with Shivani there was a time when Tony Shivani was phenomenal um, and he really seemed like he cared about things. And then you watch, and you can definitely tell when he doesn't. So, especially like the last four or five years of WCW, this is the greatest night in the history of our great sport. Yeah. I mean, and that's why that's why I chose those threes. I always feel like they are invested in every aspect of, of the commentary they do. So... You well, and I would agree. Money and and Jim Ross. So we'll move on from your number three. That's that you're stuck with those. And, uh, and I would agree with you. Butts and seats, especially um, Excalibur. Bryce Rensburg too. I think that when you look at when they're in the booth and they're constantly got a revolving door of talent coming in, match by match by match, the ability to either play the comedian or the straight man and yet call the match and keep the story going and being able to constantly explain the overall storyline of not just each match, but also the show and in the yeah. context of the season or whatever it is, those two guys can't be beat. Yeah. Unsung. Not to, mention, not to mention they seem like they're having fun. Yeah. All right. You got number three or is Bryce ski your number three? Because you um, took a, you took a seminar with Bryce, right? Yeah, like you sat in on on his uh, non non wrestler seminar. I mean, would you mind talking about that for your for your number three or as a as an intermission here? I think I have four pages of notes. Um, Bryce Rensburg is exceptional teacher, and he talked a lot about how to make yourself an invaluable asset to a company a lot. Um, now, I will say without a shadow of a doubt that you and I talked about this and some of the things he talked about, it's just not really us um, because we're not in our early 20s and this isn't my full-time job. <laughs> so some of the things he was saying, I was like, I'm not doing that. Um, so I uh, I appreciated his explanation of that and i hope a lot of the younger people who look at professional wrestling as like what they want to do as their livelihood you know we're, we're taking that into account um i think what he was explaining though is something i do fundamentally agree with i mean you all of us are replaceable make yourself you know invaluable um bring something to the table I think that was the main lesson I took away from that. Comport yourself in a professional manner. Um, have a good relationship with the people that employ you. Understand it's a business. You know, I think that's important. You know, I, I think that he's able to tell that and teach that lesson in the context of also having it be fun um, and giving you stories and about his experiences and he relays it very very well so yeah. i would say that yeah i i adore that gentleman he's always been nothing but incredibly kind to us um 
uh, I, you know, yeah, just a great human being. So, no doubt. I think some of the lessons he was teaching was just don't be a. It was a. It was the Will Wheaton rule: don't be a dick. You know? Ironic, which is always ironic coming from Will Wheaton, but <laughs> kind of. Um, but I think it was kind of also that idea of the people you see on on your way up are the same people you'll see on the way down. Yeah. So treat everybody the way you would want to be treated. Treat them with respect, dignity, um, and professional. You know. Again, he just was very things that we should all know. Yeah. But I think it's important to have them reiterated to you um, with context in that particular sense in that particular business. So, because how often do you see people here like, oh, I mean, how many times have we seen people that you know? We we just talk about that kind of thing early on in the podcast. It was meet your heroes. How many times in the last? Two years, three years, have we met someone where we're like, oh, no. Yeah. Um, well, that's also one of those things, you know, we talked about recently and and uh, and tweeted about it, too, because I think it's something that with everything that's going on, you know, you you kind of called it out a bit, I think, at the beginning of of this podcast, but it's been. There's been some revelations, I think, as people are spending time away from wrestling, but still being in the public eye that, you know, if you're only using people as support or accept their input when you want it or agree with it, that that's more reflection on your immaturity, not the value and care that people are trying to provide to you. Um, And it's been very apparent that, you know, some people are, you know, outing themselves as, as not not genuine actors in in the scene or in the larger community or just you know as as an ally to you know kind of their their fellow um you know kind of wrestling family well and one thing i would point out that has been very eye-opening for me and luckily i am not i'm not you so i'm not you say luckily i'm not you yeah, because I'm I'm not as knee deep in those relationships as you are. <laughs> You're far more of a of an extrovert and more willing to put yourself out there, um, as you well know, and as some people that know me well know that I am very choosy about who I invest myself in. Um, if we have a bad first impression, it's very hard for you to change that for me. Um, and I also, like, I can be very kind and courteous on an acquaintance level, but I don't call you my friend. Um, there are certain people in wrestling who I would call friends, who I do, even though some of them have made some mistakes and done some dumb things, um, I still look at and I would have them, have them into my house, not just to do a podcast. But, you know, I would feed them and treat them like I would treat family because I, that's how I treat my friends. Um, but I also think that seeing people who don't have wrestling right now to talk about and seeing their personalities come out and the things that they will do and say and that they're willing to post online um, the internet never forgets, and I don't forgive. So I just, 
unfollow or I mute you, depending on how egregious that is. Um, some of it can be politically motivated, and I just don't have time for that. But some of it's just humanly motivated. Some of it's just like, where is your level of humanity at? Um, and if it's not in a state that I agree with or that I find um, even slightly egregious, I just don't have time for you anymore. Um, life's too short. And I think what I found through this pandemic is I just, I can't, I can't handle that. You know, and maybe this will, will become a thing where I go to, again, I start going to watch shows that we're not working at because I just don't want to deal with that. But um, I don't know. I don't, I feel less inclined now to do the, and I, and you know this really well, I was always bad at, you know, shaking babies and kissing hands anyway, because it makes me uncomfortable. Um, especially I don't like doing it with people I don't care for. And it comes off. You can tell by my body language. You can tell by the fact that I will just not speak to you, um, because I'm not. I'm not shy about it. I don't feel the need to be. And this, and wrestling is a business where you do need to shake babies and kiss hands. I just don't. It's not. It's not for me. Um, I'm too old for that shit. <laughs> I'm an adult, damn it. Um, but at the same time. There are people I thoroughly enjoy. There are places we work I thoroughly enjoy. I don't have to agree with all of it to, to thoroughly enjoy it. Um, and there's generally aspects to it that I thoroughly enjoy. Um, but I've been really disappointed, to be honest with you, in a lot of individuals. I just, and I don't get it. I, I don't get it. And it's, it's upsetting. Um, that being said, I still, there's that core group of people who really, make going to wrestling and inve being invested in wrestling they still make it fun yeah and i i hope that this doesn't sound weird to say but i hope that wrestling continues to rise to the occasion of that um to make it worthwhile to go yeah you want to flip it up you want to do your number four you got somebody what were we talking oh who we want to do seminars with yeah or what, or what seminars would be great to be out there? What was that? Sorry. Did you say Bobby Lashley? Cannon. Eric Cannon. How Eric Cannon. Cool. He invoked Pop Pop. I do. I, I, it would have been my number one if I thought about it. Um, how to... You don't constantly think... I, I felt like like you're like Adidak. I want to make you like a shirt that says, all day I dream about Cannon. Just have a <laughs> bottle of Jameson and of picture of Cannon. Um, I would love to hear how to DIY yourself into a viable promotion and not just a small promotion, the promotion in the state. How to just how to, to, to network, to build, to find sponsors, to take a building not known for wrestling and make it. Uh, basically a little mecca for wrestling. Mm -hmm. um, how to stay inspired by all that and still have a good time. Because one thing I do think from my interactions with him is 
while he can be frustrated about, about things um, and he can definitely have a very specific viewpoint, um, he seems to have fun. Yeah. Um, you know and, we're using the picture of of you nervously uh, standing next to him at the VFW for this this podcast now, right? Probably. I uh, so I'm in charge of that aspect of this. It's gonna happen. <laughs> I've gone from someone who was very appreciative and very, um, I don't know, very much a fan of his work. Um, as a fan to someone who just appreciates him as a human being um, and getting to call things that he's done, especially some of the really great stuff we've got to see him do, um, especially with Darren, um, has only served to increase my appreciation for him. And the fact that after going through some of that, he will take the time to have a short conversation um, that it went from a, hey, hello, how are you, to um, I, I, he's just d gone out of his way to be extremely nice to, to both of us. Um, and he has never, it, this is the thing too, is people will be nice to us sometimes, and I know I'm waiting for the shoe to drop of what can you do for me. He's never done that. Because I don't think we can do anything for him. So I know that it's a thing where he's just that way because um, I would hope he sees how enthusiastic we are uh, about what's going on. And the fact that, you know, whether it's public knowledge or not, you know, we are very much willing to give as much as we can to the wrestling scene in our, in our area. You know, I don't know if you've ever talked about what you what you put together um so i won't bring it up because it's not my it's not my thing to share um but i think you know we're both very much invested in seeing people get the most out of of their talent um to me our job as commentators and podcasters of getting people over never ends because yeah. i'm a fan, i'm a fan I'm a fan of those people. Um, that's why I said sometimes when I'm not, it's harder to get into it. Um, but unless you give me a reason not to be, I probably am. Um, and for him, I would love to hear him explain the do's and don'ts, the ins and outs um, of building something. And even through the hard time sticking with it and doing it in such a fashion, like I said, the DIY spirit of building yourself um, and making it into something that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I can't disagree. I, I, I didn't want to steal it from you. I was going to use it for my number five, if you forgot, which is why I did the, uh, the second half, uh, second half switch here. Um, I've been thinking a lot about the, the history, um, seminar that Quack did, the 155 years of history. Uh, you know, we mentioned on the last podcast, you know, a couple of YouTube channels that we're really into, um, you know, uh, things that we've watched to get into Japanese wrestling history. 
uh, I would love for more people and I would definitely be interested in figuring out a way to do it, uh, to have a Minnesota wrestling history. And, and I'm not talking about, you know, some of the, the books that George Shear's done. I think that those are phenomenal. Um, it's a, it's a, it's an era that still has a lot of documentation just because of the relationship that the AWA had with the WWF at the time. There's, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of good history that's available, but there's this period of history from the kind of message board era that I would love to hear a kind of working history of that told by people that were training during that time who were trainers during that time. And I think it falls be beyond, you know, like, the, the kind of Eddie Sharkey, um, uh, Terry Fox years into the like Sheriff Shifty years and, um, you know, these promotions, MPW, others that had these, these kind of, um, like dojos, you know, essentially where people were wrestling every week, you know, more akin to something like the Wrestle Factory. I think that there's some really interesting stories that I'd love to hear from that. And I don't know, you know, kind of what it would take to, to make that happen. I certainly think that, you know, having, a photographer that's been around, you know, for that entire period of history, like Wayne McCarthy would be really interesting um, uh, to, to kind of loop into that. But I think that there's also these kind of untold stories of how the scene developed around all of this. And the fact that, you know, first wrestling was at first Avenue before Russell Palooza. This is a pre Russell Palooza era. Um, I, I think that there's something really rich in that that I would love to hear. And so if, if, you know, wrestlers are listening to this or if fans are listening to this or photographers, videographers, promoters, um, and that's something that you're interested in. That's something I'm really interested in. And I would love to talk about, you know, kind of how we could put more of that history together um, in a meaningful way that, that we can document this kind of missing era and kind of lineage. Cause you can start picking up those, those DVDs, I, you know, I, I have all the first Russell Palooza DVDs um, through, you know, the Russell Palooza's now, but I think that there's a kind of forgotten era that there's not a lot of video of before, you know, pre YouTube, you know, message board days that I think would be really interesting to, to because I think that would be pretty tremendous. Um, and I think it's a part of that history um, that deserves more of a spotlight. It's, I think if you look back at it, and I'm not from Minnesota, so it's harder for me to say, but I feel like the AWA was like its own building. And once it was done, that building's complete. Um, so I think everything that happened in that lost era was the foundation of building that's still being built now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a fascinating, it's a fascinating story that I, I do feel would be better told through a, a documentary. Yeah. You have a uh, number five boss man. Um, number five would be Darren Corbin. This how to market yourself how to continually keep yourself vibrant and a commodity um how to continually update 
your image, um, your personal story, your character, but also using all the multimedia tools at your disposal in order to do so. Um, I think Darren is a extremely savvy business person. I think he is outrageously creative and he is of singular focus um, and dedication. So I think he has a lot to offer in that respect. Um, he's just a wealth of knowledge. And I think on top of that, he's just a wonder, wonderful storyteller. Um, whether it's in the ring, out of the ring, he just knows how to tell us, weave a story. He knows how to be extremely engaging. Um, he's again, whereas whereas Pop Pop is extremely friendly and, and short bursts because we only really deal with him in short bursts. Um, Darren is someone who I am very happy to call a friend and has always gone out of his way um to be as humane and friendly and giving as possible um and um for, you know just because he is he, he's never needed anything from us he's never you know done anything that he doesn't want to do and he's always been just tremendous um and i would want to know how and what his mindset is in order to do that. Because as he's pointed out to us before, he doesn't do things anymore that he doesn't have to. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he steers his own ship. And he does it amazingly. And I'd also love to hear him explain what he doesn't do and why he doesn't do it. Yeah. You know, what are the opportunities that he's walked away from and why? Yeah. You know, I think that's another thing that Bryce brought up is don't devalue yourself. Um, yeah. I it's wish you would talk thing, a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's an easy thing, I think, sometimes to, to, to talk about how to say no. And I think it's a lot harder conversation uh, about why to say no. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's well put. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Wow. Uh, number five. Uh, you know, I, I've been thinking about this a lot and you have to forgive me if I, I like, I'm a bit emotionally attached to this entire topic, but I've been thinking a lot about. Heel turn, uh, heel turn. You want, you want to talk to me? You want me to have a whole seminar about heel turn? No, uh, I think we put, on, we put a seminar on every week. Um, I, I think that uh, I'd, I'd really be interested in, Gary Gygax is dead. You can't have a seminar problem. Um, in talking to Angelo from Bar Luchador, um, because I think that for as much as we can define a lot of different eras in professional wrestling, and a lot of people I think will look back on this era, and I think erroneously call it the Academy era, um, because you know that was such a benchmark and and everything that's going on, and and I, I would argue that you know much like it'd be easy to call the kind of post message board era, the, the kind of first wrestling era or, or the, the kind of Wrestlepalooza era. I think that, you know, there was, there was more than first going on. And I think that there is a Wrestlepalooza era or kind of a first era that, that kind of is, you know, intermixed with all this. And I, 
I think that you can point to it at the kind of rise of the Minnesota wrestling scene that precipitated, you know, the Academy, the Academy happening. But for me, I think that for the wrestlers, hopefully that look back at this era and the kind of five years that Bar Luchador was around, I would be really interested in talking to Angelo about how you foster a community like that. Because I think that, you know, it was a lot more than just opening a wrestling themed restaurant. Um, you know, I think that for, for a lot of wrestlers, especially the wrestlers that were coming out of the Academy or, or wrestling on, on local shows or, you know, going to be introduced for first wrestling for the first time, you know, there was a lot of us, I think that would consider Bar Luchador a home, uh, away from home, um, outside of some of our favorite venues. I think there's certainly some of my favorite memories from the last couple of years that happened there. And I think that, um, Angelo and uh, a lot of the bartenders there that I got a chance to know, cause you know, a lot of people probably have surmised that I, that I teach and I teach in that general area for some of my, uh, some of my employment, um, you know, getting to know all those folks and just how generous and giving they were, I think is a real, is a real testament to kind of like creating an ethos and kind of a business ethos that really supported the casual fan that would come in or the person who just loved going in and getting bomb ass food in general. Um, but, uh, all the collaborations that he did for drink nights and, you know, the, you know, when you're here, your family and the vegan nights and like reaching out to all these different people or, or trying out, you know, um, you know, one of the bartenders was a stand up, And so they did, you know, they did live stand up there and they did karaoke and they had frog in to do stuff. And, I'll never forget when Frog won the Battleground Championship and went in and he was like running orders and well, we, and you know, he's, you know, carrying, you know, stuff through the, you know, thing basically being like an, an expediter. And, uh, you know, we would always show up and that table would be set, you know, and Angelo would welcome us in, you know, or he'd be following us in if, you know, if it was a, if it was a show over at Battleground, he was able to get away for the night, but he always made sure that like we had a place and, you know, and, and I say, I don't like saying we, I know that we don't like saying we a lot when we're talking about, you know, the wrestlers and, you know, the people that are kind of acting on that show. But I always felt like it was incredibly inclusive and, and Angelo was so, um, so open to all that and tried really hard to kind of make it through all of this. And I think that losing Bar Luchador will be a far greater loss for our community than, you know, than losing a, a wrestling school or losing, you know, a talent or a promotion. And, uh, and I think that that's a real hard pill to swallow, but, but having, you know, it sounds weird to have a seminar from a restaurant tour for, for wrestling folks. But, um, I think that, uh, a lot of promoters could learn a lot from Angelo um, because man, I, I don't know anybody who's like, you know, who's an asshole, you know, <laughs> like everybody speaks well of Angelo because I think that Angelo is another person that genuinely wanted to support because he's a, like a genuine fan of professional wrestling. And so I, you know, the bar Luchador, bar Luchador era, I think coming out of this, pause or shift or you know whatever we're in right now i think is going to be 
hopefully look back on fondly by the people that that had the opportunity to to kind of bask in the the kind of joyful nature of a place like Bar Luchador. Yeah. So I'll just go, I'm just gonna go cry now until these seminars come out. Um, but uh, go back and watch last week's episode where we say things that don't make us really sad. Uh, <laughs> uh, and even, you know, I, I, I love some of the things that you, you picked out and I, I would love to, to go to any of these, these kind of seminars. So if you're watching or listening or want a hand doing any of these, you know, especially if you're, you know, I don't know, itching to share your, your knowledge with, with other people that, uh, that love professional wrestling, let us know, uh, reach out. If you just want to chat, if you want to come on the podcast, we say it all the time. If you want to jump on, if you're interested, you know, we're happy to kind of figure out how to involve you in some way. So, um, you know, let's chat. Um, you know, whether it's online, offline, on Zoom, or, you know, whatever platform we're doing, we're trying to find ways to, to kind of re-engage folks. And um, we hope that you'll, you'll help support one another and uh, get through this so that uh, we, we enter a new, a new age in, in professional wrestling. And we're all hopefully better, better uh, contributors to and, and, and people for it. Yeah. So for Heel Turn Radio, not live from the web pit. I'm the beard. I am a husky man in a basement. Yeah, we're just two fat guys not in the same basement. My grandma would say I was big boned. Um, Mirror King Ginger, be kind to one another, be understanding. I'm going to get through this. Look at this as a challenge to get better. Um, be a better human being. Support the things you love. Support the people you love. Take a little time out to hope for those who don't, um, that they'll get better and that they'll be better people when all this is over. Um, but we wholeheartedly appreciate what we've been given and the opportunities we've been given and the people that we've been lucky enough to form, form those relationships with and people like Angela who have given everything. Um, tell them thank you. Yeah. Because honestly, those things don't come along that often. Yeah. yeah. I, think, uh, I think what we're really trying to say is be good. Be muy good. <laughs> Uh, we'll see you next week. Keep your chin up. Trust me. I'm there.